Hey yo, welcome back to the Unsexy Church Podcast. We're here. Are you here? We're here. Kara's here. Pastor Bob? I'm here. Hey yo. Hello. It's a Wednesday again. We recorded last Wednesday. Yeah, your chapel schedule is messing with the uh, podcast schedule. Come on now. Uh, was it a complaint? It was just a statement of fact. Well, thank you for rearranging your schedule so that we could record today. Of course. Anything for you, Trent. I... I I don't know how to take that. <laughs> I was about to start saying something else. Hey. Uh, at face value, man. Just take it at face value. Church member Josh Bowman texted me, I believe it was yesterday, said he loved our last podcast and said that we talked about the our T-Rex banter was hilarious. <laughs> with the feathers? Yeah. I don't remember what else we said about it, but I do remember we talked about T-Rexes with feathers. Uh, he also said that people don't like the Chiefs, not because Taylor Swift, because of Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes being on every commercial ever, which I, I, I get don't that. disagree with them. I get that. Yeah, don't disagree. So uh, they can't have a State Farm or a Subway commercial without Patrick Mahomes right now. So I do think when Andy reads on the commercials, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's pretty funny. I rarely watch commercials, though, so I yeah. can't really. So uh, uh, how you been, man? You doing okay? I'm a little under the weather today. Yeah. I just kind of yeah. sound nasally. Um, I have, uh, just like a really sensitive nose. So when I sneeze, uh, when I blow my nose, my nose bleeds. <laughs> so it just keeps He's a happening. bleeder. He's a bleeder. It, it keeps happening. I can't stop it. So, um, but I mean, I really feel fine. I just kind of sound awful. Um, but happy Wednesday. Thank you. What's going on in your world? Anything new? Uh, hey, your son joins our staff in like, I don't know, like 10 days. Or yeah. Something that's crazy pretty, like that. that's pretty cool. Yeah. The church voted to bring Ben on as uh, the next, next gen pastor, uh, as you, transition to your new role in church planting he's coming in and do we have a title for my new role yet <laughs> uh, hey you planting pastor <laughs> yeah that's right uh so coming in in like 10 days yeah no, days, no days? like a week yeah so i'm gonna fly out on sunday night and help him drive back down monday tuesday so yeah, yeah. they should be back in that's town. this upcoming sunday night? this coming yeah this my week. goodness yeah so they'll be in town to get some stuff done for him next tuesday or wednesday yeah we're so we're we're getting offices rearranged and yeah. some remodeling done. So, yeah, it's all cool. We're excited. Exciting times. So he'll be here a little before March the 1st. Then March the 1st hits. What day does that hit? Uh, Friday, I believe. This Friday? Next Friday. Next Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a little yeah, before next March Friday. 1st. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, hey, um, exciting. It I'm excited exciting, to work yeah. alongside of him. Yeah. I'm excited to work with him. I'm excited to see him work in a ministry that I've loved and cared for and uh, see him take it to new heights. Name of a podcast. Fact of the day, Pastor Bob. Bring it. Did you know deaf people are known to use sign language in their sleep? A case study of a 71-year-old man with rapid eye movement disorder and a severe hearing impairment showed him use fluent, fluent sign language in his sleep. With researchers able to get an idea of what he was dreaming about thanks to those signs. What do you think about that? It does make sense. Wait, a you blind people, person using sign language. No, a deaf person. Deaf person. Okay. I don't think I said blind. I, did I? I may have just heard blind. I think I, I, I was blind. totally confused. Yeah. Deaf person. A, a deaf person using sign language makes total sense. A blind yeah. person using sign language, not so much. It, so here's where it here's where it's interesting to me. Using fluent sign language in his sleep. So, okay. So we can mark out the fact that he's not just making weird things with his hands like we would when we're sleeping. Right. But when we talk in our sleep out loud, a lot of times it's just like random squirrels and Jumping and, you know, you say like weird phrases. Right. But apparently it was enough phrases that were fluent in sign language that they could tell what he was dreaming about. That's wild. Interesting. 
Yeah. It's just, I, I would think it's just muscle memory kind of thing. Yeah. Just as, yeah, I don't know. That's, it's intriguing. Yeah. I wonder if like after he woke up, they were like, did you dream about blank? And he was able to remember it. And they were like, we knew this because of the sign language he used. Yeah. He must've been a guy that remembers his dreams. See, if I did that, it would be useless to them. Cause I, I'm like, I don't know what I signed. I have no idea. I don't remember. It is a remarkable experience. If I remember my dream, I woke up the next morning when I wake up in the morning and I remember it, it's like, whoa, I remember my dream because it rarely happens. Um, read something the other day about dreams. Finally got into a book. Did you? Okay. About dreams. Okay. Specifically. Okay. And it was just like a meme. You know what memes are? What? Yes. I know what memes. Double check. And I know you're old. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and Mark, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I read something that it said something, uh, along the lines of it's 2024 and we've not been able to understand why all of us dream a number of dreams and we don't use cell phones in them. I cannot think of a dream I've ever used a cell phone in, pulled out a cell phone. I mean, you think about like our culture, we're in our phones all the time. But any dream that I can remember, I don't, I never remember pulling in a phone. No one else knows else has phones in the dreams. So you're saying nobody ever dreams about cell phones. I'm saying there's a big conspiracy here. The FBI is involved. I'm just kidding. I don't know. But that did, it made me think. I was like, well, I'm, I don't know. But how how know. do you verify? You can't. Again? Impossible. Exactly. So it wasn't a fact. They weren't presenting it as a fact. They were presenting it as like a, wow, I've never thought about the fact that everyone's on their phones these days. Like it consumes eight hours of our day on average or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, that we're looking at a phone and that's not a part of our dream. And not a significant part of our dream. Um. Yeah. Okay. I'm confused over these people that just make these generalized statements. No, he's not making generalized statements. Okay, gotta explain a what a meme is. Experience. So a meme is not a fact, right? A yeah. meme is kind of like a joke, a thought thought provoking yeah. comment. Right. This individual um, was not trying to say, "Oh, this never happens," right? Um, was definitely not consulting science, but was just being like, "Have you ever that kind of thing?" Yeah. Okay. Meme 101. Okay. <laughs> Last week was... Chuggy. Well, yes. Something was and other And other strange words that you youngsters use. You whippersnappers. Well, not me. Uh, but I think this podcast is... Yeah, but you, is, you hang around the youngsters more than I do. Yeah, and I just ignore when they say things like gas and stuff. But speaking of gas, Pastor Rob, here's the question of the day. I told you not to read it. Where was the most embarrassing place you have ever passed gas? <laughs> This is, we have named our podcast the Unsexy Church Podcast. We can talk about this. Yeah, well, this is definitely that. The most embarrassing place. Yeah, so I read, so I I get these questions off of a website, right? Because I'm not going to be able to think of these random questions. And I read this question, and I have a funny answer for it. And I'm going to share mine. But before I share mine, I want you to share yours. I don't know that I have an answer to this. Come on now. Seriously, I'm thinking back. I don't remember my dreams. You're in like a gala and you just let one go that you think silent but deadly, <laughs> or it's like silent, uh, but it is deadly. And it's like, you're like, you're like blowing air out of your mouth to kind of like to try to disperse the air. Thank you. For you that. know what I'm talking about. Thank you about. for the imagery. Oh, yes. you know what I'm talking about, though. I, I was on an airplane the other day. <laughs> and I'm blowing as much air as I can. Well, out somebody, my mouth. I was on a flight the other day <laughs> and I thought, oh my goodness, somebody has just died in here. <laughs> <laughs> it was not me, however. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I'm struggling to think of a, an op- a, a time. Come on, I could now. make one up, but I mean, come on now. Ever during a sermon? No, be honest. 
No. Yeah, I don't think I have either. <laughs> um, it'd be funny, though. Well. Yeah. Well, the good thing is you're far... Do what? Yeah, we don't have to talk about that. Um, uh, but it's the good thing about if, like, if you're speaking, uh, I'm going a different subject now. If you're speaking, you're far enough away from most of the people you're speaking to. Um, you're aimed the other direction, so right? You feel like you can get away with no, it. Well, yeah, but also they probably don't hear it, right? Because the mic is up on your face. I mean, you're far away from people. You're talking at the same time. Mic's loud. So I got a story. Dating my wife, my my now wife. Uh, at the time, we were on our second or third date. She went to a school about 30 minutes away from the school I went to. We're, just, we're talking about university now. <laughs> college. Did it all through college. Uh, I think we were in – so I don't remember why, but we were in Springfield where she went to school. But we were in my car going back to um, – I think like my apartment, a bunch of dudes lived in like the, what's called the Rosemont apartments, which they were just on school housing, but, uh, Rosemont apartments and, uh, your boy had to use the restroom. Uh, it happens. I, we it's ate, I think we thing. ate sushi or something oh. like that. And I was hurting like, you know, like when it's just Intestinal really, really distress. painful. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. So have you heard the story, Kara? This is this is a story. This is this is. I a wish story. I could describe the face that Kara just made. <laughs> so it's a it's about a twenty five to thirty minute drive, and I am hauling the mail. Right, mm-hmm. I'm going under the speed limit, not really, but I'm flying, and uh, you, you you get you see there's an exit to get to Bolivar, and that exit there's an, a come and go, which is like our Wawa, right. As you now, now, be careful with comparison to Wawa because Wawa is a pretty high standard. Not as good as Wawa. So, okay. so my apartments are right behind the come and go, but your boy could not wait to get to my apartment, even though it's right behind the come and go. Uh, and so I just like try to brush it off with Jesse, who I wasn't trying to impress. We weren't like tooting around each other yet, right? And so I was like, I gotta stop. I just go to the bathroom. Like there's there's no sugarcoating this. Right. I go to the bathroom, and she's just thinking in her head. But like your apartment's right there, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I like cut off some traffic. I park really, really fast. I jump out of the car midway of putting my foot outside the car door, <laughs> Uh-oh. opening the door, right? And going to the bathroom, just a loud noise comes out um, of a part of my body I did not want it to come out of. And then I shut the door <laughs> and I went in and went to the restroom. What do you do? And so I'm like, I'm sitting in the bathroom and I just sit there and I'm like, I just, I just shut her in with everything that just happened. So I'm like texting her from my phone in the bathroom. I'm like, I'm so sorry. That <laughs> was so embarrassing. I've told a few students this. That's a yeah. different form of crop dusting than I've heard of before, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, that is evil is what that is. So that reminded me of a story. Okay, yeah, come on and now. it involves my wife. Share again. Was not my wife at the time. Darlene and I were dating pretty early on in our dating. And um, we'd been on a date, and um, I was holding in, you know, gas. And sure. so, so now you got a story. I, I walk her to her door, say goodnight, go back to my car, get in my car, get in my Mustang, Crank up my Mustang. I'm ready to go. And I'm like, oh, finally. And, you know, you, you can no longer hold in what you've been holding in for the oh, last you, you, three it's, hours. It's a, it's so nice. Right. 
And to my horror, Darlene decides that she's not done saying goodnight yet. So she comes running out to the car. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> the, the car won't work. The, the, the door, door won't open. The window won't go down. <laughs> so, yes, that did remind me of that story. Yes. Yeah. I've seen, have you seen all the videos of, like, the people that, like, <laughs> leave, like, a friend's house? After being there, eating a bunch of wings, watching football, shut the door. They have a ring camera, and they just let everything out. <laughs> and so they show the video on the ring camera that has audio. Yeah, we, uh, we have such a highbrow, horrifying podcast. Hey, I think we uh, are going to have a shorter topic today. Uh, we're talking. Nobody's about, listening anymore. They tuned out after the question. I think of the they're day. dying laughing because they just heard two of their pastors <laughs> tell tooting stories. Hey, the topic of the day is uh, Jesus's parables. Jesus's parables. Um, the way that Jesus speaks to the crowds, to his disciples, to those who follow him, and uh, and it's referred to as parables. He spoke in parables. So, Pastor Bob, so it's more in, in Mark four. Um, it says that this is how he chose to speak to people. Uh, in fact, one of the primary ways he chose to speak to people in Mark thirteen, the disciples say, "Why are you speaking to everyone in parables?" Matthew 13. Sorry. Matthew, Matthew 13. Matthew 13. So what are parables, Pastor Bob? What are we talking about when we use that weird churchy phrase? Well, it's actually a, a Greek word. Okay. So, and it, How do you say it? Parable. Okay, I really don't know. I, I just, <laughs> it's a parabole. compound word. Yeah, there you go. That sounds more more fancy, parabole. Um, it's actually a compound word. That, that means to throw alongside. So when you think of... Uh, casting seeds alongside the road. So it is an illustration that is thrown alongside a truth, a story that is thrown alongside uh, to make that truth come alive, come to life. So Matthew 13, disciples come up to Jesus and say, why do you speak to them in parables? They're saying, why do you cast a long seed like you are doing? Which is very interesting because this is uh, as he explains the parable of the sower. It is. So how does that relate to one another? And why in Matthew 13, I don't want to jump too far ahead here, but m- Jesus seems to say something that, like, like he explains why he speaks to people in parables. Yeah, he, he gives two reasons why he, he speaks. Okay. Um, one is to reveal, the other is to conceal. And this is his answer in Matthew 13 as he's responding to them. He's saying, to you, it's been given the, the ability to know, to understand, to see, to hear, because the Holy Spirit's enlightening you. So I, I teach you these stories so that the truth might be more clearly revealed, so that the Holy Spirit can use these to enlighten you. So for you, it's they're given to, to reveal. So to those who are Christ followers, those who are trusting in Christ, those who have the Holy Spirit, parables are used to help us better understand simple truths, or deep truths even. Yeah. But he also says that they're given to conceal to those who have hardened their hearts, to those who have rejected his message, to those who have not trusted in him. He speaks in truths or he speaks in parables so that they won't understand so that they can't even understand their eyes being shut, their ears being shut, their necks being hardened. So parables are stories. Typically they're stories. Yeah. They're they're Don't, don't think of, and I would distinguish between a parable and a analogy, an allegory. Um, It's typically a, a story. It's a common everyday occurrence that, that can be used to illustrate a deeper truth. Um, An illustrative application 
of a deeper truth. So an earthly story of a heavenly reality. That's how it's often often phrased that way. And one distinction um, as you're thinking about interpreting parables, Mm. um, you you have to distinguish them from allegory, which each element tends to represent something. Whereas in a parable, a parable typically teaches one main point or uh, one primary truth. Okay. So don't look at the parable and go, okay, well, this part of it represents this and this part of it represents this. Just take the story as a whole and say yeah. the point of the story is this. So let me let me push that for okay. a second here in agreement with that. Um, so uh, parable the prodigal – no, sorry, parable the Good Samaritan. Got my parables mixed up there. Sure. Parable the Good Samaritan. So um, in the story of the parable of the Good Samaritan – uh, there is a uh, a Jewish man walking from Jerusalem to Jericho, a uh, a road that was notorious for danger. Mm-hmm. Robbers were along the road. Mm-hmm. They, um, you know, stole uh, and and hurt the man, left him half dead on the side of the road. A priest walks by on the other side. A Levite walks by on the other side. They don't want to mess with him. They don't want to get their hands dirty. They don't want to go through ritual cleansing. Uh, they don't have the time of day for him. Right. A, a Samaritan walks by who would have hated the Jewish man on the side of the road. Um, uh, proves to be a very good neighbor because mm-hmm. that was the question Jesus is telling a parable about. That's what prompts the question is who is my neighbor? Yeah, who is my neighbor? The Samaritan, even though he's not technically the neighbor of the Jewish man, in fact, uh, they're like neighboring you know, areas, not like neighboring houses, and they don't like each other. The Samaritan takes care of the guy, um, uh, you know, pays his fine to be able to stay in a hotel, um, carries him all the way to the hotel. Uh, and so Jesus's point there is, of course, what does it look like to be neighborly, um, to love one another with with compassion? Um, Augustine, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, uh, took that whole story and analog- analogized it. Ana- allegorized? Allegorized it. Is that the word I'm looking for? Thank you. Uh, allegorized it to say, uh, well, the coins is the payment of sin on the cross. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the donkey is like, you know, Jesus walking. in. The, so he took every little point of it and made it about the cross of Christ, where we would kind of push back and say, well, the main point is Jesus is answering what it looks like to be a good neighbor, to show compassion on someone. Right. Um, now, you know, could there be some points there? Sure. I mean, Tim Keller even wrote a sermon saying, man, there, this is the greatest act of compassion foreshadowing it. Um, but Augustine may have taken a little too far. I would agree with that. May have. Yeah. yeah. And, and Jesus is prompted into the parable by the question, who's my neighbor? Right. And love your neighbor. Is yourself. Well, who is my neighbor? Right. But he answers a different question. He, he doesn't answer who's my neighbor. He, he said, which of these men acted neighborly? Yeah. That's who, right. who is the good neighbor? Right. And, and so the point is how do we love our neighbor? What does that look like? And yeah. who is that? Who is that neighbor? So you don't have to take each element. That's right. Although you, you can draw truths from the, the Levite and the priest that came by and why they didn't stop. And you can maybe make some applications that way. Yeah. But don't allegorize it to say this represents this or that. Yeah. Love your enemy. Right. Uh, um, Matthew 5, Jesus is the, uh, the, the perfect display of enemy love, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that's not the point necessarily of that passage. So it's, okay. it's interesting about parables. One of the things there's, there's roughly 40, depending on which ones you count, 35 to 40 parables in the gospels. Um, and most of them, if not all of them are found in Matthew and Luke. Uh, that's where they're, they're bulked up and they're towards the end of Jesus's ministry, not the beginning of his public ministry. So he, he began speaking in parables more later on uh-huh. again as 
this wave against him kind of grew. Yeah. Um, and he began to speak uh, so that those who did understand, those that did trust in him would understand, and those that didn't, he could communicate. So is he doing that so that the rising opposition against him would not hear him? Uh, I, yes. Part okay. of that is true, yes. Is he also doing it? And here's – so I read some notes on this, but I did not see this. I'm just curious. Mm-hmm. Um so there were times where Jesus said, don't tell people what I've done for you. I've healed you. Don't go tell people yet. It's not my time yet. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, his mom comes up to him at the wedding at Cana and says, do this. And she's like, he's like, my hour's not yet come. Right. So is, is speaking in parables prolonging? Could it be that he's also prolonging his time until the time of his crucifixion? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I'd use the word prolonging, but he, he is definitely – he knows when that time is, and he's working towards that yeah, time. It's yeah. on his timeline. That's what I'm saying. Not right. prolonging his own timeline. Correct. But maybe prolonging those individuals from beginning their – Right. Just making sure it all yeah. works out in his yeah. timeline. And yeah. then he's going to poke the bear when it needs – when the bear needs to be poked. But during this time, this this opposition just kind of crescendos against him. And he quotes – I think it's in Matthew 13 where he quotes Isaiah – He's mm-hmm. like, look, these—they're just fulfilling scripture that says, "Seeing they don't see, and hearing they don't hear." Right? Yeah, and so he knows who's hardened their hearts against him. So he's not going to be casting the pearls to the swine. There, he's—he's yeah. he's helping those that are being drawn or have been drawn to clearly understand. Yeah, it's Matthew thirteen, parable of the sower. He's explaining they do not have hearts to perceive the parables. Right. He quotes Isaiah six. Right after Isaiah said, here I am, send me, Lord. Like, I want to be your prophet. I want to speak your truth. Mm-hmm. And then God basically says, well, it's going to be really tough because they're not going to listen to you. Um, so, again, Jesus is saying, just like I, the prophet, um, just as I have come to bring the truth as the prophet Isaiah has, I come to bring the truth and you're not going to listen. You're not going to perceive. Right. Um, why does John, you, you mentioned Matthew and Luke have the bulk of the parables. Luke mm-hmm. has uh, a unique set of parables that aren't included in Matthew or Mark as well. Um, and during his travel narrative, I think chapter like 11 through 19, um, why does John not have as many parables as the synoptic gospels? And explain for me synoptic gospels. So synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, um, three gospels looking at the same story from different perspectives, all telling similar. So you can lay them side by side. Synoptic and see how meaning similar. Similar. Yeah. Exactly. So they go to set. So John's is a, is a different gospel. John has a different purpose in his writing. Not that the other Gospels don't want you to understand who Christ is, but John writes specifically, and he tells us, these things have been written that you might know that Jesus is the Christ, uh, and in believing that you might have eternal life. So everything he writes is pointing to the fact that Jesus of Nazareth is the long-awaited Messiah, and so he gives signs and pointing to that. He doesn't focus as much on Jesus' teaching as much as he focuses on who Christ is. John is a full Christology. Jesus is... Uh, the son of God, the second person of the triune Godhead. He is God himself. Mm -hmm. Um, John also had a unique perspective into Jesus's ministry, even though Matthew followed Jesus, the writer of Matthew's gospel. Mm -hmm. um, John was a part of the inner circle. Yeah. Yeah. And so he gives some unique insights. Um, He gives some of the sermons Jesus gave. He gives some of the uh, moments where he was just with Jesus, with Peter and James. Um, so um, John gives us a unique insight into who Jesus is, not just what Jesus did right. or not just what Jesus said. said. Um, so let's just have some fun here at the end, Pastor Bob. What's your favorite parable and why? Do you like preaching the parables? 
I, I enjoy preaching the parables. I did a series called Summer Stories a few years back. Okay. Uh, that was just all parables. I probably did 10 of them. Okay. Um, and it's hard ah, to yeah, pick them. Um, it's hard to pick through which ones. Um, there's so many good ones. Um, I don't know that I have a favorite. Okay. I, I have some that I like. I know you have a favorite or at least one that, that, that you that you uh, are drawn to. I told you not to pick one, but I think I thought another one as well. Oh, really? So. Okay. Well, you want to share yours? No, go ahead. Well, I mean – there's, there's, Anything just pop up? There's several, the, the the story of the two builders. Okay. One man building on um, solid ground. One building on sand. You know that that that's just you can visualize that. You can you can see that, right? Um, but that's often misquoted and often misused as well. Um, mm. So it's not about hey, if if storms come into your life, everything's going to be okay if you're in Christ and it's not going to be okay if you're not. That's about salvation. It's about, mm. you know, those who have heard his word and placed their faith in it, right? And acted upon it. Um, so the two builders is a simple one. Uh, what is that? Matthew seven, um, probably also in Luke, uh, Luke, early Luke, Luke six, probably. Um, so I, yeah, I like that one. Okay. Here's my favorite. And then my second favorite, probably. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. favorite would be Luke 15. Technically it's three parables. Um, but they all are working together. So mm-hmm. Jesus is around um, uh, tax collectors and sinners, but he's speaking to the Pharisees and the scribes because they're grumbling at him. Uh, parable of the lost coin, a woman loses a coin. Uh, she seeks diligently to find it. She finds it. Uh, all the neighbors say, rejoice with me. And Jesus says, there is joy before the angels of God when one sinner repents. Right. So all the angels are going nuts in heaven when one sinner repents. <laughs> Uh, then you also have the parable of the lost sheep. I did those in the wrong order. But the parable of the lost sheep, um, a man loses a sheep, leaves the 99, goes and gets the sheep, puts it on his shoulders, brings it back in the city. They all rejoice. Jesus says again, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 who perceive themselves to be righteous. It ends with the parable of the prodigal son. Mm-hmm. Similar story, a lot more detail. Uh, a boy um, well, there's uh, a father and he has two sons. Uh, one of the sons, the older son stays home and works for the father. The younger son, uh, ends up being very rebellious and says, dad, I want your inheritance. I want to go and waste it all. Um, now I don't think he pitched it like that to his dad, but he goes and wastes it all in the city on all sorts of frivolous pursuits. Uh, he ends up losing all the money or wasting all the money. Uh, he is forced to eat like a pig working for somebody. Uh, and then he goes back to his dad and in a uh, prayer to God that the dad might treat him as a servant at least mm-hmm. because the servants are treated better than he is experiencing right now. He goes to his dad, dad runs out to him, hugs his neck, puts a ring on his finger, the family ring, gives him a big O, um, sandals on his feet, you know, uh, um, and then brings it back into the house and says, well, let's have a big old party for my son was lost and now he's found my son was gone. Now he's back. Let's celebrate. Meanwhile, the older brother in the fields, here's all the celebration happening uh, in the home and uh, and comes and, and says, what's going on? Ask the servant, what's going on? Uh, the servant basically says, um, you know, they're throwing a party. Your, your brother is back. And uh, he gets upset. The dad comes out of the house and pleads with him, hey, your son came home. I want you to come into the party as well. But he won't do it, right? And so the whole point of all of these parables is it is fitting to celebrate when someone or something is lost and is now found, but the older brother won't. And the older brother won't uh, because the older brother represents the scribes and the Pharisees in this moment that Jesus is talking to. The rebellious people are parting with Jesus, 
Jesus is eating with tax collectors and sinners that have repented of their sin. The Pharisees and the scribes are standing from afar saying they don't belong there. And so they don't come in either. Yeah. It's always important if you can, when you're trying to interpret parables to look at the setting, why is Jesus teaching the parable? And in this case, Luke 15, just as you've described, the scribes and the Pharisees are asking, why is Jesus spending time with sinners? Hmm. And that takes him into these three stories. And I think, um, Unfortunately, it's been mislabeled as the the parable of the prodigal son. Sure, because the prodigal son is really not the the focus. Yeah, others have have labeled it the parable of the faithful father because you see yeah. the father is the one who. Mm-hmm. But the point of the story is the older brother, son. the self righteous son. Yeah, so you got a rebellious son and a self righteous yeah. son, and that's the point. You get all yeah. the way to the end, and his point is, Pharisees, you're. The self-righteous one. Yeah. You're, you're the one at the end who is still outside the party and refuses to come inside. Claiming your deeds. You think you're going to sit the marriage step of the lamb, but you're not sitting with him now. Right. Uh, and that's dangerous. It right. Um, and you're not doing it just because who else is there. And so you're showing your list of deeds and you're hating those who've come for repentance. Yeah. Um, I, I got one. Do you have one? Yeah, I got a couple. Yeah, go um, for it. So one I enjoy is uh, – there's two. Uh, Luke 11 and Luke 18 both deal with prayer. Luke 11 is the one of the friend in need who you're in bed at night, your kids are asleep, and your neighbor comes knocking on the door after midnight and saying, yeah. hey, just had new new relatives show up, or relatives show up, they're hungry, can I have a loaf of bread? And you're like, no, it's it's late, go away. But because of their persistence, they just kept knocking – you open the door and 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 you think what the he's he's teaching about prayer he's just been asked teach us to pray hmm. and he's like no be persistent be persistent in your prayers be audacious in what you ask for sometimes yeah Luke eighteen is the the uh, another parable where he he speaks of a a, wo- a widow widow going to a unjust judge uh-huh. and seeking justice and the judge won't give it to her but she won't go away she he he even says this woman is going to wear me out yeah and so she just keeps going back and back and back and because of that the judge responds those are two just really interesting stories to me about prayer because this is jesus saying this is how you should pray are those both how much more parables Yep. Does he say something to the effect of like how much more? Uh, I think so. Okay, I think so. Because there's those, some some of those parables will say like the unjust judge. How much more the mm. God of all justice right. will he listen? Right. Uh, you know, I, I I don't I think the persistent knocker isn't uh, how much more parable. I'm not sure about I'm the not widow. Sure either. Yeah. Um. You have one more? Do you have another one? Yeah. I, I mean, there's several, but um, the the laborers in the vineyard, which I call grumbling at grace. Okay. Um, so this is the story of the vineyard yeah, owner this is who a, goes in the, in the early day, and there's these day laborers out there. And at six in the morning, he goes and he says, "Okay, I'll pay you a, a denarius to to work the day." And they go, "Okay, sounds that," which was more than fair for the day. And they went out and worked. Then he went back at nine o'clock, and he said, "Okay, I need more workers. I'll pay you the same. Go go." Or he says, "Go work in my field." Yeah. Then he goes back, I think it's at noon, and then at three, and then maybe at five. Um, and he keeps sending these workers out in the field. Then he calls his foreman at the end of the day, and he says, okay, I want you to pay all the laborers, but start with the ones who got hired last. Yeah. And he pays them the same wage, the denarius that he promised the workers that had started the day. But can they not work less? They did work less. They they worked yeah. a whole lot less. But And you can imagine the ones who started the day going, wow, if he I paid was them – I was here all day. They worked an hour and he paid them a denarius. Yeah. What's he going to pay us? And when they got to them, they got paid a denarius and they were upset about it. And he said, wait, whoa, why are you upset? Did we not agree that this is what you would work for? 
why are you upset if I'm being gracious to that person? Yeah. Right. And so the whole point of the parable is uh, God's grace and that none of us deserve it. And it's not what we've earned. It is just how God gives it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cool parable. Uh, I want to give one more. Matthew 21. This is the parable of the tenants. So there's a master of a house who mm-hmm. plants a vineyard. He puts a fence around it. He dug a wine press, mm-hmm. built a tower. He leased it to tenants, and he went to another country, right? When the season for fruit drew near, he sent some of his servants to go to the people who are um, tending the field and say, the master deserves his fruit, right? Um, and the tenants... Uh, do not listen to those servants. In fact, they kill them. They beat, stone, and kill. Uh, and then he sent other servants, more than the first. They did the same thing. They killed them. Right? So masters afar, there's people that are supposed to be good stewards of the field. Uh, the master deserves his own fruit. So he sends servant after servant after servant, and they keep killing him. So he sends his son. Surely they won't kill his son. They kill his son. Right? And so Jesus says, when therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He's asking them that question. Mm-hmm. And they respond, he will put those wretches to a miserable death and let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits in their seasons. Mm-hmm. Right? Jesus said to them then, have you never read the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. So in the story, the servants that he sends are the prophets, and then he sends his son and his people won't listen. The people that are supposed to steward what he gave them, they're not producing the fruit that is owed him. And so he says, you killed my son. This won't be your land anymore. Mm-hmm. If you're not careful, this won't be your land anymore. Uh, I like that parable because uh, Peter, um, a Jewish individual as well, writing to a primarily Gentile audience in First Peter chapter 2, quotes that again and says, The honor is for those who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. He's saying this is Jesus. And then he says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possessions, and begins to recount, I think this is uh, Exodus 19, which was the promise given to Israel, right? And so now he says, basically, the the people of God are a people of faith, Mm -hmm. right? You are a part of his vineyard, right? You've been grafted in. Uh, and those that have rejected him have been broken off. Uh, so the people of God are marked by those who've received and not rejected the son now that the son has been revealed. I think, I just think there's ties throughout scripture. It kind of gives us a big picture of what's yeah. going on. Mm-hmm. Big redemptive story parable. So, um, yeah. Anything else you want to say about parables? Jesus was a really good teacher. Yeah. yeah he taught as one with authority, taught like nobody else has ever taught. Um, and just took truths and taught them in ways that we could understand them. Awesome. Hey, read the parables. There's what we we gave five or so. Roughly. And there's 30 plus more. Mm -hmm. Check them out. Pretty cool. Hey, thanks for listening in this week. We hope you listen in next week. Until then, think about the stories about Pastor Bob passing gas. See you later.